Motorcycles and fuck you, Jim. (laughs) (laughs) New here at the Recycle Garage in sunny Santa Cruz, California. Well, well, well. And I can say that because it was pointed out to me by a handsome young traveler who came by from North Dakota. Oh, dear. And he said, You know, your roads are amazing here and the weather is perfect. I'm like, Yeah, yeah, you know. Glad you're enjoying it. (laughs) He was like, So, like, he wanted to point that out. Like, do you know? Well, that was kind of yes, him. Yes, it was. He's well, been having a know. blast riding around. Sometimes. He's got his bike in the back of his van, and he'll pull it out and ride around. Okay. He's riding in flip-flops and shorts <laughs> around Santa Cruz. on Perfect. his Cus has bobbed out XS650 and just loving life. Nothing wrong uh-huh. with that. Oh, yeah. It was pretty fun. California dreaming. Hey, in the room tonight, we've got Jeremy. Hey, hey. Why, Jeremy? Why? <laughs> <laughs> You get me. This is Liza. Hello. Running the board tonight, we've got Bagel. Hi. I, just a P- PSA. Uh, do not get poison oak on your ass. <gasps> oh, just I, saying. I know about Or this. I mean anywhere, really. <laughs> well, anywhere, but especially on your ass. <laughs> on the pretty girl couch tonight, we've got Miss Emma. Hello, darling. <laughs> or should I say, cool blimey, Gov, you're a caution <laughs> No, you shouldn't say that. <laughs> All right, I won't then. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> I don't know why every sentence you say, ha- uh, like, you ha- you somehow include half pence and knickers. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> oh, it's threepence Sydney, Gov, for uh-huh. a new pair of knickers. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Please, sir, may I have some more? <laughs> Use, use freedom words. Well, no. You know, my... Was it, were those oh, Al Pastor words I just heard? Yeah. <laughs> Taco in my mouth. It's bad enough that you barely you enunciate. Now you're eating a burrito. Taco in my mouth is the okay. name of please Jim's don't, sex tape. Please don't eat it. I read it back. It was spicy. Also, on the Pretty Girl Couch tonight, we've got Joanne. Oh, I'm laughing. Hi. 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 Hello. On the train side of the room, we've got Knock. Uh, how you guys doing? <laughs> there you go. That's my gruff voice. Hey. So I'm bad man. So uh, what did we do today? Uh, I dirt biked like a motherfucker. Yeah, you did. Yeah, buddy. But go ahead, Liza, please. Um, we had a couple project bikes coming in, working on stuff. Um, I changed the oil on the KTM, which was complicated, but actually not that complicated. Once you learn where all the different things are (laughs) that you have to remove, but they're all pretty accessible. Yeah. How many oil filters did you have? Two? No. One? Well, no, there's two filters and a screen, screen, I think. That's that's normal. So was was this a segue into you gushing about your new KLR? No. No. I'm just saying I changed changed oil on the KTM. All right. No, but I think the big <laughs> event today that drew the biggest crowd and the biggest plume of smoke <laughs> was Emma and yes. her diddle finger did it again. Ooh. Yeah. And uh, it was so funny because uh, Yuri Berrigan came by today. Yeah, that's Happy famous birthday, Yuri. Isle of Man, TT Racer, and Handsome Brute. With a bike I did not know he owned. I knew he owned it. And a man who doesn't look his age. And... Crazy. 
he has this bike. Uh, what, what what exactly is it, Emma? Um, Yuri has a nineteen seventy one Norton seven fifty Commando. And it's, uh, as she says, patinaed. It is definitely patinaed. It, it's a very original bike. It's a, it's had a little bit of love over the years and a little few bits and pieces. It looks it looks like a uh, a somewhat cared for barn find. Yeah, I would say that's a good description. Yeah. And Yuri brought it in because it hasn't run in a while, and he wanted Emma to take it on as a project and to get it running. So he was expecting her to come with the truck, and she was going to take it home, and he was going to pay whatever it takes to get it running. Which is still going to happen. Emma pulled out, I kid you not, a flat blade screwdriver, and her bare finger, <laughs> finger diddled it and had it started within minutes. And Yuri stood there in dismay <laughs> and, and you know when yeah. you, you think you're dropping off a big project to a mechanic and yeah. they go diddle diddle and he just was like <laughs> and then they take <laughs> off but, jaw drop well yeah, no, the hard part's over right well that. not yet i mean i sent him off to the store because i saw the dejection in his face <laughs> so i sent him off to the store to buy oil what what had happened is that was, like boiling water when yeah, someone's having of. a baby go, go get some oil <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all i'm gonna say is i watched she diddled something and the the bike oozed liquid well and don't, oh, did you don't all over you her finger tickler, did you all over her finger don't forget my finger don't forget emma my. mentioned he's raced all a man three times now in a supermoto and two classic series and he's his own mechanic no he's his uh, own so it's not like yuri doesn't know what he's doing but the the thing is english bikes and when i say english bikes i don't mean the current generation of triumphs i mean the 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 classic stuff from the 50s the 60s and 70s nothing is screwed together like that now i'm not saying whether it's good or bad i grew up working on that stuff and i love it hmm. um i remember a, a, about six months ago uh, michael mccarthy was in my garage while i was pulling down a 650 bsa engine and the guy just stood there transfixed because i was just laying my hands all over this engine and he said it was just i didn't understand how it was coming apart but it was just the lump was getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller well, until yeah. I was left holding the crank. It was just, this is what I'm used to working on. Yeah. But they are their own thing. And Yuri's very very used to working on Japanese stuff and European stuff. And British stuff is like nothing else on earth. Because <laughs> <laughs> no, so, it's got halfpennies. It's got halfpennies. <laughs> it's got halfpenny-sized spanners, gov. Well, and, and plus with that that age, you're talking about points and things like that that right. we're not used to seeing necessarily. So right, and the carburetors have ticklers. They don't yeah. have a choke; they have a tickler. You have to, <laughs> you have to tickle the carburetors, so darling. It's an English tickler. I love English shit. That's great. Yeah, well, you could diddle them if you wanted. I'm not sure what the tickler. She diddled it, and it got moist. I watched it happen. I'm just saying. Yeah. Fired right up. And then it was started it, uh, right up. Was no. it a Del Orta that were on there? Or no, Amals. Twi oh, twin yeah, Amals, yeah, yeah, darling. Okay, okay, no, yeah. you don't put Del Ortos on no, a British bike. No. Oh my God. I know. Um, the Queen. Listen, mate. If you put Del Ortos on a Norton, the Queen would be making. A very Clearly. stiff phone call <laughs> later on. <laughs> you cannot put Italian carburetors on mm. one of the products of the British Empire, you surf. Take them off immediately, otherwise, Philippe will come around and fill it. Yeah. 
Mussolini's so, rolling over in his grave. Yeah, he is, happening. right? He's spinning yeah. with steam yeah. coming out of his ears. No, it's a, <laughs> ve- it's, it's a very, very nice bike. It does need a little bit of work. So, yeah. so I have a question. I, yes. I talked, when I rolled up, I talked to Yuri for a bit. And here's the conundrum that he's at. And it's, it's quite interesting. So this is a, a barn fine kind of thing. But a, and it pre- looks it. But the previous owner went through the motor. So the motor's solid, right? Yeah. I was rebuilt at Rabers. Yeah, yeah. rebuilt at oh, Rabers. Nice. So that's all legit. So actually the engine should be tight. Um, but what do you do with it? I mean, he's not going to do a full restoration. So I think to he what should ex- leave it as it is. So like we were talking, like, do you just any wear item, fix that shit. Um, but beyond that, leave it. Right. So here's... Here's my take on it, because I've evolved over the years in what I do to bikes. If you want to see what a multi, multi-thousand dollar Norton restoration looks like, go onto the Corbin website, the Corbin Seat website, look under Shop by Make, go to Norton, go to Gunfighter, and you'll see a midnight green commando sitting outside the Corbin Works. With some beautiful gold leaf. That I built. And that's a $20,000 build. Is it the best Norton out there? No. So you could spend twenty grand and still not have the best Norton in the world. It's like the fastest gun in the West. So there's no point in, unless you're just going to go bananas, don't bother. What a lot of the guys are doing back home now, which I really approve of, is doing what they call oily rag restorations. And an oily rag restoration means you get the bike out of the barn, you clean it up, you get it running, you wipe the whole thing over with an oily rag, you're done. (laughs) And you ride it and enjoy it. And I really think that's what Yuri should do with that bike. It's cool as hell as it is. How's the tank on the inside of that thing, do you know? Yeah, you know, it's, it's grubby. But yeah. I can. I've got some special chemicals. Yeah. I have some special <laughs> chemicals that were formulated by the royal family specifically for that purpose. <laughs> Approved um, by the queen it's herself. It's tea, isn't it? You yeah, just dump tea. a bunch of tea in there. No, I'm, no, I'm actually. I'm going to be. It's an infusion of PG tips and gin that I <laughs> that I use inside a gas tank. Perfect. No, a little bit of pims. My plan <laughs> for that bike. Is it obviously needs new tires because I don't want Yuri to die. Mm, I'll put no. new tires and tubes on it. Um, I'll reline the brake shoes with a more modern material so it'll stop. It's never going to stop as well as a bike with discs. Um, go over the forks, get the forks working as well as I can. Just fettle the engine, rebuild the carburetors, clean out the inside of the gas tank, and call it done. Because I think it's just great. And he's going to have a bike he can start up first kick. He's going to be able to ride it around. And the thing is, it's not pretending to be a younger bike. It's obviously an extremely old bike. Christ, it rolled off the line in 71. That's 47 years ago. And it looks it. So, yeah. So, I'm going to argue, though, I don't appreciate this... Um, oily rag restoration. Oily rag restoration. So you had a bike out at your house yesterday. Yes. Uh, that looked like it's been sitting on the side of a barn for 20 years. And that's what the client and wanted. you went over there and kick-started one kick with flip-flops, which means it's running tits. Yeah. But I have to say, I don't have as much of an appreciation for a crusty <clears throat> bike. I th- cool. I love, I appreciate it more when they look showroom. Well, no, hang on. And, and, and I don't go for perfection. I mean, there can no, be no, nicks no, no, and dents, that. but you know. And you know, it's it's called patina, darling. I don't fall yeah. for that. Well, it gets down to, like everything else, time and money. Like, if you're going to take an engine cover off and you're going to sit there and go... 
you better have a lot of Sunday mornings free with a cup right. of coffee to hang yeah. out and buff that shit out or pay money to have it done. I think what Yuri's thinking is kind of cool. It's kind of <clears throat> kind of in between a little bit. Some of the stuff he's going to take and clean up. Other stuff he's going to leave kind of barn findish. So um, at the end of the day, I think he's going to have a rideable bike. You know, but that's the hard thing to figure it, out. It is a tough call. It's yeah. a really, really tough call. Liza brings up a really good point with that VSA that I just did. Um, you know, it's. I finished it. I sent a pic, picture to the guy. Is this what you want? He said, oh, I could use a little bit more patina. Okay, so I left it in the back garden. He's got bang it with a hammer. shit on it. I <laughs> mean, it's patina. I want more patina you know, on it. I will say it is the right thing to rebuild all of the functioning things on the bike. Oh, the, the, yeah. that bike Definitely. rides oh, yeah, like totally. a brand don't new Don't do cosmetics bike. before you do engine and brakes and i think that's what emma was talking about i know better I'm, brakes for yes. the, 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 i'm just the simple i'm just saying preference shit. wise i don't have as i don't have an appreciation it's a bitch for the well-running patinaed bikes <laughs> I, I just don't no, have I that appreciation you. that's all i'm not saying it's wrong no, yeah. i'm sure there's people that like it i'm just saying i i don't i don't buy that you know and it, <laughs> it's it's like time and money you know, having how much money and time do you want to throw at it really having been that and we broached this subject last week you know, I've been in that position where I'm standing next to the restored bike while the judges come over and they're marking it off. And you're aiming for a 100-point bike. And nobody gets a 100-point bike, no matter what they do. And there's beads of sweat because, you know, my, it's like a 95-pointer or something. And I'm not really sure if that's where it's at. I'm not really sure whether that's paying the most respect to the bike. I'm really not sure now. Um mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong, I, I love a pretty bike. It's, it's like not one's, one's not better, they're just different. Like they, a lot of it, things. And that's different. it, it's, it's different. Everything is valid. If you're actually, look, if you're actually riding a patinaed Norton Commando down the road as opposed to having a beautiful, pretty bike that you were scared to leave anywhere in case it gets scratched or get rained on or something, which is a more valid motorbike? Well, guess what? The one that's getting ridden. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and also, I, I think that there's a place for every type of, of restoration or, or rebuilding oh, good, too. Good because, God, yeah. Because if you if you had to start with a bike that's just just thrashed, and but you want to bring it back, you know, th in that case, I think it makes sense to bring that back right. with a, with a full restoration if that's the route you want to go. But if you have a bike that's a survivor that's got you know a lot of wear, but it's solid underneath. You know, I think I think that's perfectly legitimate to right you know, to, to to preserve that that state that it, that it's in as a survivor because then you're not just showcasing that model, you're showcasing that bike and its own history. Exactly, and you know the when I think about my history and the bikes I've actually restored, if I'm going to restore a bike, I will find the most disgusting, downtrodden, crusty example to start with, because then that becomes part of the bike story. But mm -hmm. I learned a long time ago, if you get a clean used bike, a clean, let's say you're going for a mid-70s Triumph, mm -hmm. a clean, a nice usable mid-70s Triumph would maybe cost you five grand. Sure. Well, <laughs> Nock has created a monster over there. <laughs> Nock has you just tried to tell Bosley to sit. And now he's trapped in the corner oh trying God. to get a bean. He's like my Come Roomba. On. It's like my Roomba stuck he's in a chair. I'm going to leave him there. Make him learn his lesson. Oh, like no, don't, don't do that to Bosley. Let Bosley out. out. He's, he's caught behind a rocking chair. But if you, what a dummy. So you, you buy a clean, middle-of-the-road condition bike, and you pay five grand for it. 
<laughs> and all the chrome still needs doing because it's got minor pits on it. Sure. Well, if you buy the crusty, rusty one, all the chrome's going to need doing on that too. But you only paid two grand for the bike, and the chroming costs the same. So why mm-hmm. pay? For, even though it looks okay, if you're doing the restoration, why even bother to start something that looks okay? Get right. the crusty one. Because so, yeah. it's going to cost the same. So if yeah. you're going to pick up a crusty one, how important is it that it, it actually has a chance of running? Like it runs or Oh, anything runs? can run, darling. Okay, so don't anything, worry about that Anything so much. can run. I've, right. I, British bikes are slightly... They're, they're very different to Japanese bikes. It's quite easy to kill a Japanese bike. If yeah, you if it, if it gets run out of oil <laughs> and the cam spins or you punch the liner out of the cylinder, it's dead. <clears throat> British bikes are designed to be rebuilt over and over and over and over again. So you can actually drag something out of a pond. <laughs> if it's British. And if you, yeah, if you can strip that engine down, you can bring it back. Number one, because you can buy everything. Mm. Yeah. Pretty much every Triumph, BSA, and Norton made since the 1920s, 1930s, you can buy parts for. Really? Oh, yeah. Hmm. Quite easily. You might have to go to England for them. But this is the the days of the internet. I mean, my job got so much easier with eBay because half of the stuff I buy for the restorations I do at home, I just go onto eBay UK and I punch in the part number, the part comes up, boom, pay for it, PayPal. PayPal changes it to pound sterling like that a week later the part comes i thought it was quid i thought it was threepence <laughs> halfpenny no you only pay threepence halfpenny for your new knickers darling oh here we go i can't wait to see what you do with it but already it's going to look the same it's going to look the same but my goal for that bike is i want it so yuri can kickstart it i want it to start first kick i want it something he can get on put his wife on the back and safely ride it around Santa Cruz and actually mm-hmm. enjoy it for what it is. I think the important thing here was the look on his face. Mm. Not only when you got it running. Oh, I was riding it But then it when you hopped on and took it around the block and we could hear you revving around the block and he's like, <laughs> it's not even blowing smoke. Did you see that? Did you see that? <laughs> like he was just like amazed. Yeah, it, it, it's, it, it's a very, very different vibe. Um, so the obvious question, why don't I ride a British bike every day? Well, I have got limitations. They do actually blow up quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, because, that's important. Because <laughs> Suzuki, that's why. Well, you Sorry. know, and I've got to try and keep up yeah. with you guys. So. Well, you want the explosions inside the motor, not outside. Exactly. <laughs> so there it is. Well, you just pull another one out of a pond and rebuild that, apparently. Yeah, tra-la-la. <laughs> so... I wanted to give my review of my KLR. I've had a little time to write it now. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so here's the thing. For years now, when people have come to us and said, I think I want a KLR 650, we all kind of shared the same box response. Eh, you really don't want a KLR 650. They're, they're good at everything, but they're not great at anything. And that that is true to the extent, if you think about most of the writing we're doing, <clears throat> For a lot of the rides, like, you know, riding with the vampires through the hills, if you're trying to keep up with everyone on that bike, you may be pushing the boundaries a bit. You're going to want a supermoto or a sport bike to do that kind of riding. <clears throat> and then some people say, I think I'll get one because then I can ride out to Hollister and, and, and join you guys for dirt biking. It's like, no, you're not going to want to be riding with us on our, like, you know, DRZs and XRs and YZFs on a 
on on a no you're not going to want to use that for dirt biking i will say we do see our our share of those bikes coming through with podcast listeners that are Mm -hmm. on their way to like ecuador yeah 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 you you could see them come through and when people say they want one to go ride long distance like "Mm, there's a lot of other bikes that are better for long distance so all these years when people said i'm thinking of getting one i've kind of talked them out of it because they usually had a purpose that they wanted it for and there's always a better bike for that purpose but i think i found the purpose for the klr and i'm going to start recommending them to everyone the klr should be everybody's other bike mm-hmm. so it's a second bike the second bike <coughs> well the one that yeah. runs if your first bike is a harley or an r1 or you know whatever you have this is a perfect second bike so I think an interesting question is you basically traded your Super Duke for no. the KLR. Two different things. Oh, no, no I know they're different, but that was kind of the trade. So why did you go from the Super Duke to they're the KLR? They're two completely different uh, things. Jim, I know they are. Two Jim. transactions that happened at the same time. Uh, Jim, darling, I'm going, to, is, I'm going to stop you there, darling. I'm going to stop you there. You said it wrong. It's a stupid duke. A stupid duke. <laughs> okay, Harrison, happy now? So it, I've, I've enjoyed it. Um, it is powerless <laughs> no but, i but, wrote it it's, but, it's fun to ride but that was expected so if you want a bike that has you know power and speed this isn't it um i wrote it down to monterey yeah uh, to emma's i put on the touring windshield wrote it down it's quite comfortable I'm, I'm ashamed to say i didn't recognize her when she pulled in the driveway <laughs> i'm there I'm, I'm with joanne working on on her eliminator mm. and this bike and i was like who the hell is this <laughs> oh it's liza <laughs> you look very you actually look very good on that bike oh thanks yeah um you know i've taken it riding up like nine it's a little slower into the turns than my other bikes not as responsive but if you're not in a hurry you're not racing it's it's pleasant but i am going to start recommending it to everyone because as a second bike it can do everything else that your first bike doesn't so wait is your versus your third bike now oh i thought about that I mean, because like uh, the well, no, I mean, been, no, I it's mean, now the other bike. No, I'm saying, but to other people that, like, to, to people who have one bike, they should have two bikes, and the second right. bike should be a KLR. This is my <laughs> point. That's, so, but not, that's I'll, reasonable. I'll, it fills in reasonable. all the gaps. I'll say sure. your second bike should be a plated dirt bike. No, not if your first bike a KLR. is a plated so dirt bike. So here's you get the, a KLR get two. <laughs> here's, here's the question, Liza. I'm going to put you on the spot mm-hmm. right now, just as you put me on the spot over my pacific coast and my love for that what single thing does your klr do better than your versus value no i don't agree Mm. i do i think they're overpriced i think you can get into a versus 650 cheaper than a klr i would agree with that you can yeah you can versus versus i'm I'm not gonna take into the dirt because it's got this why not front wheel i wanted a a 21 inch that's it wheel okay to go to do trail riding right that's it that's the main thing yes okay and i mean that's very very valid but the versus is a is a fine machine so what you need to do is before you say oh yeah i'm going to recommend the klr for everyone Mm -hmm. you've got to look very carefully at what you're going to use this for so if you're going to buy a klr to do everything a klr does except for riding the dirt 
you're better off buying a Versus 650. Right, but so it's for a good this, fire road bike. For right? me, yeah, it's a fire I mean, road bike. fire road. I could hop on it. I could ride it cross country right now. You could ride. You could ride the fire road. It's on comfortable a and true too, but it's got all the gear to do that. Um, you can use it as a commuter bike, and you can do a little adventure. You can just go for a two up ride, you know into the country yeah it's got it, more so do anything on it's it. got more suspension travel than the versus so let, let's get in helpful for friendship but it comes down to the value yeah it's so, so affordable let's yeah. talk about it so what Tremend. year how many miles how much did you pay so it's a 2012 with 9500 miles that had most of the accessories on it that i needed to buy it has about 1500 dollars in accessories yeah because you got were on the, my list you got the engine guards you got the skid plate you got yeah luggage the luggage is good center luggage stand rack. top bag side bag but L- let Two me tell shields. you something about this bike. It is clean. Very clean. The, it's, oh. never, it's never seen dirt. The only thing that distinguishes that bike from new, and I think she could get rid of it if she worked at it, is the plastic is faded in the front. Mm. And that's it. That is the only thing that makes that bike look used. In all other respects, it looks like a brand new bike. It's the cleanest KLR I've seen in a long time. And you know what I mean, you know the plus the front fender's getting a little bit gray. So it's I got it for thirty eight hundred. Well, and we realize accessories nearly new. And that that's kind of where the sweet spot, like for getting better motorcycles, is you get into like thirty five hundred bucks at least here in California. Oh sure. And around thirty five hundred bucks, a lot of a lot of good motorcycles become accessible. Yeah. Um, but I think the key on that bike was under ten thousand miles. Um, it was garage kept basically, and and you got a pretty good deal because it did have a lot of the. Sp- Sparkles, farkles, whatever you want to call it, um, and it is super clean. And you know, I rode it; and it was peppy enough, and the brakes worked, and all that. You stuff. know, it's I'm, I'm. I should point out, I don't dislike KLRs. I was just kind of playing devil's advocate. Yeah. I actually like them. I mean, it's it's Tubby the tugboat. Liza hated them until she had one. <laughs> Didn't she like them? Well, I learned. I and I the first week I had it, I was riding it like my other bikes. Dude, how about those yellow lights? Oh yeah, it's got the halogen lights on it. Um, I was riding Little it like my, my other bikes, and it felt very just luggy. And I finally figured out: don't release the clutch till you're at least four thousand RPM. Hmm. Now it's like, oh, oh, okay, and it became alive. Have you had it on the freeway yet? Yeah, I got up to. It said ninety on the speedometer. I'm pretty yeah. sure it was eighty. There's no way it was right. that fast. Yeah, but it's got street-oriented tires on it. Those were what they were uh, Avalon or whatever. Stanzies, right? Yeah, I think Avon. They're like eighty twenties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm I'm fond of it in that it should be a the second bike. Look, there's so many people who buy a bike that does something great. You know, like mm-hmm. you buy a Harley, and you have fun riding it, cruising. Then you have this bike. You have a whole another option to do things but you, that the Harley can't. And you bought this with things in mind. So what what mm-hmm. things do you plan on doing with this bike? Uh, we're gonna go do some trails. We're gonna go to Yosemite do a, a ride. I want to start doing Fire some roads. small like weekend adventure ridey do you, things. Do you think you could do the sheet iron on it? Yes, definitely. It's a good sheet iron bike. Not it too is. big. Yeah. yeah. Because I mean, didn't we didn't we decide that the optimum size for the sheet iron is like three fifty four hundred? For like most things we do is three fifty four hundred. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, but that but but it's people are doing weight, it. Though. Plus I the mean, bike weight. Yeah. yeah, Mike yeah. did. Uh, did it on his six fifty. Yeah. The biggest you could do the sheet iron. You just have to be. You can't get tired towards the end. 
You know what I mean? You just got to kind of be in shape, and you got to be able to ride the thing all day. But it's a it's a decent sheet iron bike. Right. Okay. I mean, I I, I hopped on. I thought it was pretty easy to ride. It's like you could get in trouble. No, on this I bike mean, I, you could like throw it around. I've, it was pretty fun. I've ridden myriad myriad KLR six fifties, yeah. and you know, there's doggy ones out there. There's nice ones out there, but they all retain you know the same kind of pugnacious yeah. character. It's it's yeah. it's quite a cool bike. It just keeps working. Yeah, yeah. it's it's a workhorse. It, like I say, yeah, it's tubby. It's it's tubby the tugboat. If you look at it like that, that's that's so what be, it is. I'll be curious, Liza, because I don't know when we go up to uh, Yosemite if you're going to run the same tires and if you're going to put new tires on what no, tire you might I think go I'll to. Leave them on. Same ones. Yeah. Okay. I'm too cheap. That's it, Bosley. But um, I think I think that's it. That's my assessment. I think it's a great yeah. second bike. Yeah. Now, when I was looking for them, <laughs> there were ones I was finding as low as thirteen hundred. They were, you know, sure. kind yeah. of high mileage older models, but good running commuter bikes. Mm-hmm. So when you get into that price range too, it now it really opens it up as as having a second bike that you can do a lot more with. But I wanted to point some things out because as I was looking for the KLRs, I was finding a lot of other bikes in this price range. And I found the sweet spot, three to $4,000. Yeah. You can mm. get. You can get a great deal for that. You can get a lot of bike. So here's some examples. Here's a 99 Ducati 900 SS Very Clean with 46,000 miles it's kind of high but yes, maintained maintained $3,000 if you I've always wanted a Ducati sport bike a $3,000 well maintained two valve pretty reliable for what it is as long as it'll be f- it'll be for what it is I mean 46,000 is all the mileage on that bike yeah um, but potentially I mean if you maintain it you're going to enjoy it for a few years to come um Here's another example. 2008 BMW R1200 RT for $3,500. Well, now, hang on. How many miles are on that? (laughs) 98,000. Whoa! No, not well. On these bikes, well-maintained, they can do 200,000. What was that again? I'm sorry. Uh, What bike is it? An R1200 RT. It's a 2008. Uh, So 2008 means it's not that old that you're going to have a lot of the rubber and shit going bad. It's Mm. still a good bike. It's well-maintained. This is a bike I would buy for $3,500 and ride cross-country. I wouldn't. It's it's way too high a mileage. Uh, Even well-maintained. I mean, a 98,000-mile bike will ride... Like a ninety-eight clutch has been replaced, drive shaft U joint replaced, final drive replaced. There's been so a what lot of it, work. So what does that tell you? Work is an ongoing thing. If you're actually replacing drive shafts, you've gone a long way on a bike. Well, yeah, I'd I, say that could be. I'm not saying it. I'm will saying be. that's a big BMW touring bike for yes, that it is. price. That's great. Also, here, check this out. 2018. Honda CB500F, $3,500. Yep, somebody wants to buy a 600. CB500F? 350 miles on the odometer. Wow. Oh, wow. $3,500. That is a great bike for somebody. That sounds like a scam. (laughs) No, it sounds like it's Shall I tell you what that is? I'll tell you what. Well, go ahead. (laughs) 
Go on, Bagel. No, go ahead. Because you've seen something. Yes. <laughs> no title and not stolen. <laughs> I bet you you got to lean on You can really. ride it in a group club on the track or stunt. <laughs> <laughs> totally stolen. Well, we also know that there are ways. And on a 2018, I mean, come on. How do you lose a title for a 2018 bike? On a 2018. <laughs> they never got it? Oh. <laughs> stolen as, it's not just It's not just stolen. It's stolen as fuck. <laughs> Here's another one for you. 2000 BMW R1150 GS 2850. Okay. This bike is 69,000 miles. Again, that's more yeah, like These it. are all well maintained, garaged hey, bikes uh, that I'm showing you. What would my Superhawk with 127,000 miles go for? It's <laughs> a 98. But you it's, know, here's, a, here's but, a great example for 2850. If you wanted to. Enter the 2019 GS Challenge. Mm. This would be your entry ticket right no. here. Because you have to own a big GS to right. do it, don't you? That's the point one. being that there's a lot of bikes, like good, <coughs> oh, good, yeah. decent bikes in the three to $4,000 range. Yeah. Which kind of surprises me, too, that, you know, they say that... Um, the bike sales are down. I mean, um, I know that's referring to the new market, but still, these bikes are... It's a buyer's market out there. Oh, for I mean, sure. these are definitely your sec second bike prices that you're talking about, right? I mean, these are bikes a, a, a person who already has one or two bikes. No, I mean, if somebody wants to get a bike to go ride cross-country or to do an adventure right, or to have a track day. Right, right, but these wouldn't be a person's first bike. Or commute saying. on. These are all bikes that you can commute on right no but it's and, it was, and live the dream it's not going to be somebody's <laughs> first bike these bikes potentially why not be. why not oh i don't know three thousand dollars yeah yeah well, potentially. that's my point and the fact that for you know 3800 i got a bike with less than 10 grand that is hardly broken in typically yeah if you're gonna spend I mean, three grand on a bike you're gonna get on it push the button it's gonna start right i mean in the three to four grand now you have the canalars and, and on the 1200 gs and the there's the it's that price range you find a lot of klrs and verses they're all over the place at that price range so i'm just saying there's a lot of good bikes yeah. in that price range right now. No, I, I agree with agree. you. It's the it is the season, as it were. Um, you know, you're you're nudging, you're approaching the place where people will buy a new bike, try it for a year, decide they don't like it, and then just want to get rid of it for what they've got into it. In which case, you're into those things like CB five hundreds, R threes. Uh, Ninja 300s. I've seen those come up for those kind of money because people buy them and they, you know, they, they're going to try and they maybe fall over a couple of times. So there's a little bit of cosmetic damage on them and it's like, biking's not for me. I'll get out mm. of this what I can. Yep. I, you know, I've regularly seen a couple of Ninja 300s come up for the like four grand and they're perfect. They've got less than a thousand miles on them. But a little bit of cosmetic damage down the one side. So to answer Knox's mm. question, instead of getting one bike, which what would be an average bike? Somebody's going to go to a dealership to buy a bike. What should they expect to spend out the door? For just what? For a, a new one? Bike? Yeah. A new one? Eight. Eight. Out the door? Yeah. I mean, that's that's going to get you started. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, like eight to nine fancy. grand, you can yeah. get really good grand, bikes, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or... You buy three of these. <laughs> this is my point. This is my point. You, yeah. Get three bikes 
or you get you get two and and one of them is a klr (laughs) (laughs) so um that's it i've i've had a lot of fun searching and the reason i went with the klr there are a lot of other alternatives um you've got the 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 suzuki um the, you've got the, the hondas um even the the drz 400s but they were all one to two grand more for a similar bike and on top of that you've kind of missed the the most charming thing about the uh the klr you can buy Every farkle imaginable for this bike. New yep. and used. New and used. There's anything you need for it. And this is the classic argument because in my opinion, and I've said this many, many times, I think that the basic DR650 is a far superior bike. Yep. Even though it's air-cooled. But yeah. you can't get half the stuff for it. Hmm. There's just a lot more cheap people out there, I guess. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> um but yeah, what you can get for the KLR, it's amazing. Where do they where get. do they make the KLR? Like Brazil? Where do they make it? Thailand? Do you know? No, it's Japanese. So they make it where do they make it though? In Japan? Yeah. Okay. That's I thought cool, they though. only made like flagship models nowadays there. Yeah, it's I mean it's it's an important model. Yeah. 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 I mean if it's made in Japan, that's a good thing. <clears throat> well, and I mean yeah, it hasn't hasn't changed that much, but I'm uh, liking it. We'll see. I, I have to go do in the dirt. So that'll be another review. Has the doohickey been done on that thing yet? That you don't need to on these later no, on the other ones they sorted out, huh? Yeah, exactly. Cool. Nice. No doohickeying required. Well that's perfect. Yeah, well hey. But here's here's the deal. If you think maybe you're interested in a KLR or a Ducati or a GS or anything. Check yourself in to the There's local a way. asylum. <laughs> yeah. There's a way that you can try it. Hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. How's I, that, Liza? <laughs> wow. I really wish I could get a cool bike for the distinguished <laughs> gentleman's ride. But I, I know. all I have is a modern Japanese bike. Oh, no. What could I do? You no distinguished gentleman's ride for you, Jim. <laughs> I wish Unless. I could get a GB500. There's is a there? glimmer of hope on the horizon. There's a glimmer of hope. Is there? This, this, the, it's the tiniest chance, but... Oh, but I'm going li- to San Diego. That's okay. So here's what we're getting at. So we're doing a promo right now with TwistedRoad.com. For those who don't remember, we've had Austin from Twisted Road on here before. Twisted Road is a website you can go to and rent somebody's bike or rent your bike out. It's a lot like Airbnb. So I actually have my Versus and my KLR listed mm-hmm. on there. So um, Austin was nice enough to give us one free day rental to give away. Mm-hmm. Got your interest now, right? <coughs> one free day. What is that worth? Uh, the bikes on there are anywhere from fifty to three hundred fifty dollars a day. And you know the thing that you told me yesterday, Liza, which blew my mind. There is no restriction. It is any bike, absolutely any machine on the Twisted Road y- you can rent. I mean, if if somebody's got an MV Augusta on there, you can rent it. Someone's got a moped, you can rent that. Whatever you want for Actually, one no day. Actually, no mopeds on there. No what? scooters or mopeds. Boo. Woo. I know. But, um, so we're giving away one free day. And it's a great way, if you are thinking of trying something out, you want to try a different style of riding, this is a way to do it. I have a question. Yes. How do I enter? That's a good question, Jim. So here's what you do. You want to go to the twistedroad.com site. All you got to do is find my KLR listed on there. And then in the background of the picture, there's a red license plate. 
find the number on that plate and email that number to me at mm. Recycle Motorcycle Garage at gmail.com and include your name in that email and you will be entered. We're going to be doing the drawing what do you title next the week, the 19th. Twisted Road, anything you want. Okay. Um, when you say license plate, you don't mean giant rubber dildo, do you? Do not mean giant rubber <laughs> dildo. No, she means the red license plate yeah. in the background behind her bike. Find the number on that plate. Find the find the bike on Twisted Road. Find the number on that plate. Email us, RecycleMotorcycleGarage at gmail.com. You'll be entered. We'll be doing the drawing next week, and somebody is going to win a free day rental. Maybe you use it for, as Jim said, Distinguished Gentleman's Ride. And get, you know, really cool Triumph or something that's going to be appropriate. Or a Sportster, something fun. I will say, I'm always surprised when I see, I follow them on Instagram, and I see the bikes that are actually available to rent. Mm -hmm. It's pretty amazing oh, what's out that? there. Like, mm -hmm. like, really, if I owned that, I wouldn't be renting that to people. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's worth checking out. Yeah, and I'm going to enter, and do you know why? Because I know that somewhere in Twisted Roadland... Someone's got an H2R they're going to rent. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That would be pretty sweet. Would you fly to that state I'd go, to go? I would go anywhere in the world to ride <laughs> an H2R. Which reminds me. the new. Are you going to talk about the new H2R? Oh, God. 222 yeah, horsepower. Yeah. Did you hear about the self-healing paint? <laughs> wow. Oh, no. This bike, this Kawasaki have just announced. I know yeah. I'm going off at a tangent now, the but this one. is what I do. The brand new H2R, I mean, this is everything Kawasaki knows about motorcycles, which is actually quite a lot. 222 horsepower, everything that you could possibly imagine in the sport bike world is on this bike. It's so beyond everything else on the road. But self-healing paint. If you scratch the paint, as long as the ambient temperature's within range, it's going to heal itself. Is this because all the H2 owners were getting keyed? <laughs> Probably, but <laughs> mother wow. bitch, motherfucker, yeah. you. There's some bit of people out there, but I tell you what, if ever a bike needed it, because you know, you remember at the Quail, yeah, yeah. The, those H2s, they've that. got some amazing finishes on them, like black chrome. Yeah, amazing looking bike. So there you go, new H2R. Yeah. I'm gonna find one on Twisted Road. I, I would fly halfway around the world to ride that thing. Well, and give it the beans, go. darling. There you go. That should be everyone's second bike. So, and I have a. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I agree. I have another announcement to make. A nice Ooh, month. this is a good one. So, Emma and I have recorded yes, some new have. history holes. Yes, we have. And they're pretty fascinating. And they're only available. available on our Patreon page, which means any of our Patreon supporters for as little as a dollar a month. You will have access to each of these as they come out. And I released one last night. Which one did you release? I released Royal Enfield. That was Ooh. such a good one. Um, I mean, these are great. The little jewels. It's it's a very, very intimate scene. It's just me and Liza. We're talking over coffee and talking about the history of these things. They're wonderful to make. And I hope people enjoy them as much as me and Liza enjoy making them. I, I tell you, if if the Comstock wheel was a barometer, like Comstar, or whatever Comstar, it's like if you can make that interesting, I can imagine oh, everything else. You'll you'll dig the I Royal Enfield one. one. You really will, because it's not just one story. The best stories are multiple stories, and they span the world. You know, there's more going on here than meets the eye. 
always so just uh yeah that's a a way that we thank our patreon supporters because you guys are great for a dollar a month you'll have access to the bonus material suck your dick also on there i did release the comstar wheels but we have um oh uh bessie stringfield yes bessie stringfield zeppo marks yes really yeah yeah there's some fascinating ones up there already did you date him emma you and Zeppo, Zeppo did you guys date? <laughs> no, I dated Groucho, darling. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was the mustache. It was all about the mustache. How do you think he got so grouchy? It was all about the mustache, darling. <laughs> you got and a mustache c- ride from that? And the cigar. <laughs> That's right. But tell you what, we don't want to, you know, hold you hostage. You don't have to give us money no. to hear a history hall because we're going to bring you one tonight. We, we did save one to share with everybody. We did. And it's... um. Well, what can I tell you? It's it's about something that we all know and use. Mm-hmm. Would you like to know what it is? Sure. Well, it kind of got me thinking. Mm. I was sitting at the computer the other night, and there was an article about a motorcycle. Um, it was a Harley Davidson that crashed on the East Coast. And it was a class action lawsuit that was going on about tires. And it seems that Dunlop D404 which is Dunlop's pretty much two go tyre for all the cruisers and the standard bikes it's a bit of a class action lawsuit going on against them and the article said well blah 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 Dunlop D404 which was manufactured by the Goodyear tyre company I'm like hang on a minute wait what's Dunlop tyres doing being manufactured by Goodyear. There's something not right here. Yeah, that's so my interest. So I thought interest. I'd delve in a little bit to Dunlop history. And once again, it's a, it's kind of an interesting story. Oh, do share. Well, I will. <laughs> so um, what we're going to do is we're going to go back to the latter part of the 19th century, really? which is, yeah, um, a guy called John Boyd Dunlop. Very interesting character. Um, a Scotsman. John Boy. John <laughs> Boyd. Oh, Boyd. Um, <laughs> not John Boy. <laughs> um, and the John pipes, Boyd Dunlop, he was a very, very interesting character. He was actually a veterinarian hmm. um, and living in Ireland. This is not going the way I thought it was. Yeah, it never does. <laughs> um, and... He had a daughter. Um, I think he had four or five children, but his daughter had a very, very small tricycle, and it was a very, very rough ride. So he decided to try and improve on the solid <clears throat> rubber tires. I feel like this is the beginning to Princess Bride or something <laughs> like that. It could be. And he fought the giant. <laughs> um, so basically, he came up with a pneumatic tire. And... A pneumatic tire, I mean, let's get it down. It's got an air chamber inside. Was that the first pneumatic tire? Well, now, hang on. There's Mm. a little bit of controversy here. (laughs) But for the sake of our story right now, it was the first one. And so we're talking 1888 was his first prototype. And these were tires that went on his daughter's tricycle. Um, Back then, cycling was a lot bigger than it is now. Because remember... There were no cars on the road right now. There were no motorcycles on the road right now. If you wanted to get somewhere, you were either on a horse. Well, horses were expensive. Horse-drawn omnibus, well, they were few and far between, especially in rural Ireland. 
Mm. or used a bicycle. So bicycles were very, very popular. And bicycle racing was very, very popular. Yeah. So the two kind of went hand in glove. Pneumatic tires, i.e. tires that have air in them, not only gave a smoother ride, but they were inherently faster than solid rubber tires. So now, before long, Dunlop was actually manufacturing tires for racing bicycles. How, how difficult was it to get the, the wheels to line up with the pneumatic tubes, Oh, right? almost, almost I mean, certainly. Because that's just as challenging. It is just as challenging. I mean, it's an engineering thing. And this is the important thing to note, what was going on back there. It's not, oh, I've just invented a tire. Well, there's a little bit more to it than that. Yeah, there's a whole field of materials engineering. There's a, there's that a whole field of materials. It. There's a whole engineering solution. Well, how are you going to get it inside? How are you going to get the rim to work with it? How's yep. this going to happen? How's this going to happen? So... Uh, it's it's not a simple task. He was obviously an extremely intelligent man in all but one respect. He basically, he sold out the rights to the company he helped found in 1895. Now, even though the company bore his name, Dunlop, from 1895 onwards, he had no rights in it at all. To all intents and purposes, he died a pauper. Hmm. Even though the company went on to be just this giant multinational, multi-million dollar hmm. company. So, a brilliant man, yes. A brilliant engineer, yes. I'm sure he was a brilliant veterinarian. Not such a good businessman. Businessman, eh, not so much. So, um, So, there we are. In 1895, Dunlop Tire Company was trucking along quite nicely without him. And it's a case of the time. If you come up with something at the right time, you're going to do very, very well. Now, this is the beginning of the automotive industry. Right around the turn of the 20th century, this is when all the new cars are coming out and all the new bicycles are coming out and all the new motorcycles are coming out. Guess who's making tires for them? Well, right, and it's the era, it's the Industrial Revolution, so it, this is, you know, the assembly line. So here comes mass production. Right, exactly. Then what happened? We stormed the castle. <laughs> we did indeed storm the castle. Well, we talked about this briefly with Royal Enfield. <clears throat> 1914 came along, and 1914 was quite a pivotal year in England. The Great War. It's the beginning of the Great War. And in times of war, any kind of industry is elevated beyond all measure because war production becomes the most important thing. And this is when Dunlop really started making strides about making more and more tires and diversifying its efforts into mm. making tires for motorcycles, cars, trucks, aircraft. We're going to come, the aircraft side of it is really quite interesting and we'll come to that a little bit later. Um, by now they were headquartered in my hometown in Birmingham and the factory was expanding and expanding and expanding and I vividly remember the factory as a child. It was actually called Fort Dunlop. And the factory still stands, I believe, if any of our listeners are in Birmingham, around Aston, they'll let me know. But it was it's certainly standing when I left in the early 90s. Giant place, huge factory. And that was really worldwide production. However, 
why are Dunlop was smart? They set up factories all over the world. So there oh, was yeah. a Dunlop factory in France, there was a Dunlop factory in Belgium, there was a Dunlop factory in America. And there was this just huge range of tyres they made. At one stage, I think in the 1930s, 70 or 80% of vehicles on the road in England had Dunlop tyres. Emma? Yes. I looked up Fort Dunlop. <clears throat> At one time, it was the largest factory in the world. Yeah. Wow. Now, bear in mind... Was that during the war? I think immediately afterwards. Yeah. Now, bear in mind that Birmingham is home to... Not BSA? so much now. BSA. BSA. Morris, Austin, Jaguar, Land Rover... All the British car manufacturing, mm. two notable ones, of course, were Rolls-Royce and Bentley, who were mm. based in uh, Crewe, I believe. Did they do aircraft engines, too? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But Rolls-Royce Aerospace was somewhere else. Um, just outside London, I think. Hmm. Um, it, would, it would be awesome to see that in its heyday when it was all up and running and oh, churning man. out engines like crazy. Uh, that would be cool to see. Absolutely. Absolutely. Was Bedford uh, based near there, too? Um, Bedford was based... Um, Bedford was a subsidiary of General Motors. Oh, really? So, yeah. Huh. General Motors had... Um, the car manufacturing was called Vauxhall. Mm -hmm. mm. And that was based in Luton, which is just north of London. Uh -huh. and, and, and Vauxhall is still currently being made, right? No, they are indeed. Cars? Yeah, yeah right. they are indeed. But Bedford is the... Eh, how could, you know, it's the commercial end of Vauxhall, just right. as GMC is the commercial end of Chevy. Right, right. So the majority of car manufacturing was based in Birmingham. And to have Fort Dunlop the largest factory, it's amazing. So anyway... Um, throughout the 1930s, Dunlop tires, they're still diversifying, they're still doing their motorcycle tires and developing them. Um, Second World War comes along, and once again, it's a way of advancing engineering beyond its normal rate. Whenever a war comes, isn't it? Dunlop really spearheaded desert tires. Hmm. So, uh, tyres for the desert had to be wider, run at lower pressure, and have a bigger tread for the Africa campaign. It's an amazing thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it's funny. I love these, these conversations because you never think about how important a role rubber plays in a war. Oh, yeah. It's and amazing. Rubber was like landing Seals. aircraft. Well, like how many tens of thousands of aircraft had to land? Well, and not just that, but like sealing services, well, O-rings, all that shit. But hang yeah. on, you see, and this is how important it becomes. It's not, it's the rubber itself, but it's moving it around mm -hmm. because the, the country that produces the most rubber is India. Yep. Mm -hmm. So you have to get that rubber from India and you either have to manufacture it into what you need in India and then move that stuff to England to get bolted onto cars, planes, trains, whatever, or move the raw rubber products from India to England. So there's this massive logistical problem. Hmm. That makes sense, uh, India, because they have a lot of ants and uh, moving rubber tree plants. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but they've got high hopes. <laughs> yes. Oh <my> <laughs> so anyway, we're going to move to 1946. So this is the first year after the Second World War. Mm -hmm. I'd like to take a stab how many employees Dunlop had. We've already established that it was the biggest factory in the world for a while. I'd say at least half a million. 
No, not quite. 70,000. But that is a ton of people. Mm. Um, and there's factories pretty much throughout the world. That's a city. That is a city. Yeah. Mm. Um, not only did they make tyres, they made wheels, mm. and they made brakes. And motorbike racers. Yes. <laughs> Your really man, Joey good. Dunlop. Oh. Yeah. Yes, I know. But um, a very important first for them, which we're all reaping the benefits of right now, first anti-lock braking system, hmm. 1955. Like to take a stab of what it was for. Airplane. Right. Hmm. Who said airplane? Me. Well done, you. Yeah. Yep. Because airplane, all airplanes have anti-lock braking systems and have for many, many years. So how'd they go from tires to, was it like hydraulics or something like that? Well, no, I mean, it's all diversification. I mean, it's an, it's an important thing. If you, if you actually vest yourself in an interest of where rubber meets the road, to coin a phrase, I mean, and it's really like that. I mean, the yeah. rubber is meeting the road. So it's natural that you have an interest in wheels. It's natural that now you have an interest in braking and associated things with that. So, yeah, it makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. Very cool. So, um, where are we now? 1960s. Not a great time, actually. So, how, when did they get heavily involved in racing? When did you see them kind of... They've kinda... always been involved in racing. Basically. Yeah. Racing too. It, I mean, bicycle racing from the earliest year. But the thing is, racing has always been part of of uk culture it's always been part of the automotive culture and my favorite part of uk racing is the um like the road racing like the irish road racing right and you want to talk about rubber meat in the road when those guys are hauling ass in the rain absolutely you're like good lord son well <laughs> wow well guess what the first tire to lap the isle of man circuit at above 100 miles an hour dunlop Mm. And that became a road tyre that was actually called the Dunlop TT100. And guess what? You know, back when I was starting off biking in the 70s, what did we bolt on all our GT750s and CB750s? Michelin pilots. You better believe it. <laughs> no, TT100s were good tyres. They were good, solid tyres. Quite soft rubber, so you did tend to wear them out pretty mm. quickly. I mean, you got all these crazy British guys who will kind of basically do their RNG for free for you. you oh, know? absolutely. Here's tires, try yeah. not to die on them, and if the tires fail, we'll figure it out somehow. And, you know, the thing is, tires are so good now. Mm -hmm. They're so much better than they used to be. But Dunlop, actually, they did the TT100, which was a great tire, and the Red Arrow, the KE391, I want to say, mm. um, which was, again, a good, great, solid tire for the time. This is important. It's for the time, you know? It's very easy to look back and say, "Oh God, these things were crap." Right. But so, what, how were they involved in like dual compound development? They never really bought into that. They mm -hmm. were more into profile. It was I mean, all about the profile. Like you have, if you have like seventeen right hand turns and four left hand turns, yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. I'll tell you who pioneered dual compound tires with Bridgestone. They they bought into that technology really really heavily early on. I mean, I think, um, gosh, I want to say about twenty five years ago, Bridgestone really started getting heavily involved in the multi compound tire. Yeah, it's yeah, multi compound tires are relatively new. Yeah, as far as um, development. But it was Bridgestone who really started that off. However, 
1960s, you know, Dunlop was having some choppy times in the 1960s. They were actually, the, the domestic product, the English product, was considered rather poor quality compared with the continental stuff. Hmm. If you had a choice between a French Dunlop and a British Dunlop, you'd probably want to go for the French Dunlop. Hmm. You know, it's... Part of the problem when you get so large is actually maintaining quality control can be a bit of the problem. Mm. And the thing is, the British motor industry was in decline anyway in the late 60s. Yeah. You know, really, the peak of the British motorcycle industry, and this has been talked at length by various historians, 1966 was pretty much as good as it got. If you want to look at the actual peak of car, motorcycle, Everything to do with automotive in England, 1966 was really the high water mark. Hmm. So, um, late 60s, it was kind of in decline. They started reducing the workforce. In 1971, they came into a merger with Pirelli, of all people. Hmm. And it was an odd relationship because neither company was in control of one another, but they had control of the profits of the other company, should they so wish. Right. Hmm. It sounded disastrous, and it that's pretty, so bizarre. Yeah, it was. It was. It was wow. an absolute disaster. And I'm just trying to to recap. We're still trying to figure out why the Dunlops were made by Goodyear. Well, I'm coming to that. Okay, good. That's where we're getting to. <laughs> I'm coming to we're getting that. Closer. We are getting cl- we we getting dragged kicking and screaming through <laughs> the 70s, and you know. Cut a long story short, throughout the 70s, Dunlop was hemorrhaging money. Um, mm. And in 1983, it was the end. I mean, they'd gone through all their money. They'd gone through a ton of government money. It was pretty much the end of Dunlop. And it was bought by a Japanese company called Sumitomo. In 19- Oh, they make the Calvers. Yes, they do. <laughs> um, Sumitomo make a lot of stuff. Um, and in 83, they were bought by Sumitomo. And... Sumitomo basically changed all the production. So motorcycle tires stopped being made in England in 1983. And if there were any that kind of crept out of the factory, it was really it was really the end of production. And this was really the end of 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 British production for it. So, you asked about Goodyear, didn't you? Mhm. Ah. Well, Any tyre with a Dunlop name on it was owned by Sumitomo from the mid-80s until the late 90s. So if it said Dunlop, it's a Sumitomo tyre. In 1999, Sumitomo sold Dunlop. Guess to who? Are we there? Are we there now? Are we there yet? Good year? You got it. Aha. Ah. Was the quality quality always the same? Well, what we're talking about now is we're talking about Production that is in America. And I've got to be honest with you. I mean, the Dunlop tires that I put onto bikes now are very, very good indeed. So I'd say, yeah, truthfully. I've, I've got no problem with them at all. Most Harleys running down the road now have got Dunlops on them, hmm. um, mm-hmm. which are specifically made by Harley for Harley-Davidson, often carrying the Harley-Davidson brand. Right. Um, 
Dunlop do this thing, the D404. We already talked about the class action suit, but I think that is a small amount of the tyres with a very, very specific range. Generally, if you've got a cruiser or if you've got a standard, a D404 is a go-to tyre. What was the class action for? Just um, I think it issues? was, yeah, I think it was the tire actually coming apart. But oh, this okay. is what kind of set me down this whole thing of mm. what is a Dunlop tire being done, being made by Goodyear? And right. so that's it. Yeah. So now the Dunlop brand is owned by Goodyear and is manufactured in the state. Interesting. Very interesting story, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. You know, twists and, twists and turns. And, and on a side note, uh, you might be interested to know, I have a pair of Dunlop tires that are half as old as the company. Wow. Yep. What's the date on them? Uh, this is before they put dates on tires. <laughs> but they're the original tires on my 1957 Heinkel Perla. Well, that's, that's, that's awesome. They oh, were German-made Dunlop tires. They would have been German-made Dunlop tires. That might, means that... Oh, sorry, go ahead. That was, <laughs> might be why they survived that long. <laughs> they're... Uh, what I call perfect burnout tires. Right. <laughs> nice and old and hard. Title of the gym sex tape. <laughs> <laughs> Talks cheap. Well, that, that, that's a good, good it's story. It's kind of a Thank mini you, history hole. And, yeah. and I yeah. always give people the caveat when we do these history holes. We're just dipping our toe into the history of it. Do some research. There's a story behind everything. All I'm really doing is just giving you the sl really the, the veneer on the top, the good bits. But read up on it. Everything to do with motorcycling and everything to do with this thing that we love. There's some great stories out there. You know what I yeah. find fascinating is this story started with tricycle tires. And when <laughs> yeah. I watch... And a veterinarian. And a veterinarian. And when I watch <laughs> MotoGP today, all they can talk about is what tires, what Dunlop tires are people running. Right. You know, and it, it, it's, it's amazing how relevant it is today at the highest level mm -hmm. of racing, but it started as tricycle tires 100 years ago. Awesome. You know, well, and I think it is a bit of a tragedy that this man whose name the company carried really had no interest, no financial interest in the company from the early days of the company. Didn't even get a hat. Yeah, didn't even get a Dunlop hat because he saw no value in it. Wow. He saw it as a novelty. <clears throat> Hmm. Isn't that amazing? I can tell when Liza says awesome, she's ready to change subject. So, <laughs> moving well, along. Speaking of tragedy, <laughs> oh. oh, this weekend yes. up at Sonoma Raceway Ooh. was the Superbike races. Uh, we were talking to Wayne Rainey about it, and he was saying how. Um, yeah, they have the races here at Laguna Seca, and now they've added Sonoma, and they were going to make this even better and bring in bands and make it a lot of fun. So um, some of our friends have been there, like Arwen Rich, and he said it's the least attended event he's ever been to. There was only a couple thousand people there. Whoa. It was like a um, AFM weekend. Hmm. Um, well, that's not good. The stands were empty. I could wow. fix that. <laughs> Two uh, words. I don't know what this means. Free I don't. Beer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I d or hot well, dog. I, I don't know what this means. I don't know why it wasn't well attended. I mean. I do. Why? Well, to be fair, I mean California is actually on fire right now, so yeah, I think a that. lot of <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of people are actually worried about traveling. That's yeah. a good point. You know. 
Um, well, the fires are up north, but yeah, there's yeah, but an impression air, so that California is on fire. Again. California yeah. is on fire, and air right. quality is pretty bad right now. But it's, there's it's a there's nice enough, summer weekend. Like, yeah, there's enough riders in the Bay Area, and it's only what an hour outside of like San Francisco. Well, I know a lot of people around here talked about yeah. going. I know. I know. But didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just never made it happen because no one else seemed interested in going. Mm, I think other people have been at Laguna Seca. But, you know, it is a lot, a little bit further for us. We'd have to get hotel rooms and stuff. Yeah. Um, mm. So that's kind of tragic. I feel bad for superbike racing. I don't know. You know, I hope it's a one-off. I mean, we've talked at length so many times about the, sort of the general malaise in our industry, and I'm, I'm hoping it's not reflective of that because the Laguna Seca event was very well attended. Yeah. Well, let's talk about something not tragic but sort of funny. So nobody died is what you're saying. Who oh, died? I haven't heard, I haven't heard the reports. Nobody. Okay, good. Well... Who's some, maybe some people are going to lose jobs over that one. I maybe, don't know. Yeah. But um, Jim, mm. you went dirt biking today, and you oh. have a funny story. D- I really? Yes. Come on. What was my story? I don't know. Uh, somebody me. went spread eagle through the oh, air. Oh, I don't like to tell. Stories. Anytime somebody goes yeah. spread eagle yeah. in the air, that's funny. So tell, tell stories. Don't name names. So here's what I'll say: is Doug. <laughs> <laughs> Who I have more respect for now than I ever have because he charged up this hill. So one of the nice things, so I, I was going to bounce out to Hollister this morning just to go, and it turned out that uh, Doug and Cat P were out there. They've been camping all weekend. Nice. And she's got her, like, 87 XT 250 or whatever, and Doug's got his supermoto with dirt tires on it. And, uh, it's yeah. called a dirt bike. <laughs> yeah. It's actually a dirt bike. And um, I, I never see those 650s with dirt tires on them around here. But it was cool. So I rolled out this morning um, with a cinnamon bun in hand and and went to Hollister. And I, what was I talking about? I forget. So Just how funny. he was charging up this hill. Oh, yeah. So anyway, we're doing a bunch of volunteer stuff. And um, and it was fun. And then Doug like does this volunteer uphill. And he's bouncing up and up and down the hill. And me and Kat are watching him like, we're not fucking doing that. <laughs> and um, he, he comes up the hill, hits a little cross trail, like a perpendicular trail, kind of gets some air there. And just has a pin still going up. And then you could tell he started like like ping ponging through the trail. Because, oh. like, you know, in Hollister, a lot of times it's, you know, you have banks on either side of you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's ruts and rocks and fucking roots and shit. So he just starts ping ponging all stuff <laughs> in the trail. And it's like, oh, this is cool. <laughs> I mean, not for him so much, but for us. And Keep the, eye uh, on him. <laughs> and, the, and the final straw was, um, and, and big shout out to Doug for charging up this hill because I, I wasn't going to do it. But anyway, he hits something, big, huge cloud of dust. He totally shit in the middle of this ravine uphill. And it's just a cloud of dust. And we're looking, me and Kat, and we're all, all of a sudden, ding, 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 down the hill comes this one little skateboard wheel that Doug had on his bike. It's like a fucking frame slider. slider. Exactly. <laughs> so all you see is a puff of smoke up the hill, and then this little skateboard wheel comes dinging down and stop right next to us. That's great. That was pretty fun. Then we spent the next 20 minutes getting Doug back down, but that's okay. Is the bike Okay. Yeah, everything was good. I think okay. the throttle got fucked up a little bit, but I went hill climbing while he f- sorted that out. I know, I know those two had such a good time because when they showed up here, they showed up at Misfits. Uh, what about four thirty? They did. Yeah, they showed up very briefly. And today? Yes. No shit. And Cat P was filthy. Much respect to Cat P. She 
her face, she had like a Fred Flintstone five o'clock <laughs> yeah. shadow on her face. She's got this wild glint in her eye. And I said, did you have a good time, Kat? She goes, yeah. Oh, she's great. Well, we were doing some trails. Like, like we start looking up this trail. It's all volunteer and all that. And Doug starts going. I'm like, Doug, I thought you loved her. Why are we doing this? <laughs> but we did some Black Diamonds. We did a bunch of volunteer stuff. And Kat was fucking, she was riding better than I was. She's so, great. And speaking of which, so you got your new 250. How is that working out? Because you were riding the 350 before. So they're very different bikes. So I had the uh, 99 DR350. I, uh, I bet you missed that low-down power, don't uh, you? It's a tractor. Yeah, low-down power. Yeah. And, and the, the wheel would really... um um not lock up but like dig in dig in yes like it would lock into the dirt and it feel like it would just pull you up anything where the so the other so now i have a 2007 klx 250 with some mods on it like a stiffer front end um open up the air box uh, muzzy pipe and that kind of stuff and uh, you have to manage the back wheel a lot more so the back it, it's much lighter which is fun um it's a high revving motor you know short stroke um thumper and uh and it was a hoot. It was a great time to ride. So it can climb anything. It's got plenty of power. It's got plenty of pep. Um, just the back end's a little more squirrely than the DR. Um, I haven't done like a gnarly, gnarly hill climb yet. That'll really be the that'll really be the the test, I think. But um, no, the KLX is great. You know, I took it on the TT track. I did some hill climbs and all that kind of stuff. So you know, for sixteen hundred bucks, it's a good it's a good dirt bike. Awesome. Well, I'm glad that's working out for you. It's a good looking bike too. It is, you know, and uh, it was cool in Hollister today. They had uh, vintage races. So like the 40, oh, 40 yeah. plus club vintage races. Oh, wow. oh, my God. So a lot of old two strokes. And it's great because these dudes line up. There's like 11 across at the vintage track. Guys aren't wearing shirts. There's no gloves. It's just like these old beer belly dudes. <laughs> <laughs> not giving a fuck. Exactly. Huskies, Bull Tacos, Yamahas. Was, was Bruce Springsteen's uh, Glory Days playing in the background? <laughs> <laughs> no, but these guys are cool. You can tell they've been riding a long time and don't give a fuck. But it was like 11 guys, a big cloud of dust. And they all take off, and then after that's the two fastest guys are in front the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we had you, a good day riding dirt. You wanted to be out there so bad. Oh, You're like, dude. these are my people. I was like, I could so do that. I could so race. I could so race. And then I watch them, and I'm like, there's no fucking way I could do that. <laughs> but it was fun. It was like uh, not too many people out. Um, cool. Beautiful scenery you could see for miles and miles. You know, it, uh, it wasn't too it was warm, not yeah. too bad. You had to hydrate a bunch. But it's a time of year where um, where everything's like glazed clay. Mm. Oh, it's like glazed yeah. clay, and someone threw a handful of sand across the top. Mm. And then every jump you will go over has a crater in the middle of the jump, <laughs> like not soft, but edged out, like some yeah. like a cookie cutter. And then the landing also has an edged out crater. Jeez. And this is all like from when it's muddy, like in the winter time, and you're doing jumps and where you land. So now it's all just hard and glazed, and mm. I told Liza earlier I did see the spot where, where you where you ate shit in the mud. You said it's like carbonite now. It just it was totally <laughs> carbonite because Doug did a volunteer trail on that thing, and suddenly flooded some shit and some poison oak, and I started hoofing Ooh. it back, and uh, and then me and Cat P start walking back, and it's like this glazed, muddy, not muddy, but old, like it was like fossilized. <laughs> And it was like fossilized pieces of plastic, <laughs> like like a like there's yeah. a side cover, you know. There's some other piece of plastic. I told Liza, I think I found your self confidence in there too. <laughs> For when you crashed and went in the pond, but um, dirt bike it hurts, man. Oh, dude, dirt bike it hurts. But it was but it was really fun to get out, and um, you know, I like to go on the easier trails where you can really open it up. 
and go fast and the back end skipping around but it was, it was good it was a lot of fun i rode for I don't know, like six hours it was awesome. fun yeah dirt well, biking's cool it's a, it's very important to have a bike that you totally jive with that just fits you and and because you become one with it and i think maybe joanne do you have that same feeling with your bike i do what bike do you have because this is a bike not a lot of people know about emma (laughs) well okay um no come on joanne it's your first time on the show it is but i want to kind of prod it through because joanne is 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 a reluctant heroine joanne is sitting on the couch looking like i wish we could like put your face your face across the airwaves you'll get over it soon enough so joanne new motorcycle person surrounded by experts i'm like um it's yellow (laughs) (laughs) we will talk slow and ask easy questions this is my work release what bike do you ride i ride a kawasaki eliminators the L six hundred. His name is Angus. Muck Wangus. <laughs> That's a good name. It's, it's a, a great name. name. Dude, eliminator. That's like yeah. the best. Well, name you know, here's the 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 thing is, Joanne is a very very dear friend of mine. Mm. She's just starting out on a motorcycling career. That's true. Cool. The uh, colors are the same as your RF. They are indeed. I mean, it's really got that nineties thing going on. But um, she started off on a GZ two fifty, as many people do. Jezza and as many people do she realized quite early on i mean within about two or three months that she needs more power mm-hmm. um and you know i i try and navigate people towards vulcan 500s i've got this this thing about vulcan 500 oh, that's right that's what we I were looking think, for i think mm-hmm. they're wonderful wonderful bikes and this thing <laughs> popped up on <laughs> Oh God! Sorry, it's boss. Boss it's snoring. Well, thank God it's not come from the other end, right? Um, and this thing popped up on Craigslist. This ZL six hundred, and I thought, you know what? That'd be a perfect fit. And for those of the, of you that don't know what a ZL six hundred is, it's kind of a cruiser, but it's kind of a standard. It's got a Ninja six hundred four cylinder engine, full power, so it's like ninety horsepower. It's just like a neat little bike, and they're very, very low, and they're very, very long. It's a cool little cruiser, and it suits Joanne down to a T, and you're handling it very, very well, aren't you? I am. I am. Yes. Um, it's very confidence-inspiring <laughs> because the seat's low to the ground, so it's the old knees-bent routine. Slightly different power delivery than most cruisers because, of course, you rev the thing, um, and most of the power's up the top. But it's you know it's it's got some power down down below. I took it around the block and it was super fun to ride. I like the were those stock bars on it. Yep, it's handlebars? completely stock. So I like the bars. I told Liza it reminded me of the Billy bike in uh, uh, what's the movie? Oh, uh, he, <laughs> like, Easy Rider. Thank you, because uh, like it's got the forward like the highway pegs, but it's got this flat kind of straight handlebars. It was really fun to ride and, and like a nice peppy engine that inline four. So, so Joanne, are you comfortable on that bike as far as controls go, the way the brake levers are oriented? And your, I have really small hands, mm-hmm. um, so my ha- I mean, my hands are getting kind of a workout. Okay, so I don't know if they can get smaller than that. <laughs> if they can are be you, closer, right? You might be able to get adjustable levers, but um, I think more importantly oh. is um, 
how are your wrists? Are they pointing downwards, upwards? I mean, are you getting any issues with your wrists no. in terms of pain? Okay. No, no it's a no. perfect riding position. Perfect. Good. And I, I got to say that Joanne's not quite up at the lane splitting stage yet. Sure, mm-hmm. no, that's fine. So we rode that's over fine. here in bumper to bumper oh. traffic. It was like a 90 oh. minute grind oh. from Monterey to here. Mm-hmm. And she did great. It's fine, yeah. Clutch control at 89 minutes was as good as clutch control at one minute. So she yeah. did. She did absolutely great i was wilting <laughs> you know my because the goosey has got a heavy clutch and i'm like jesus yeah. would have died with the xr like a two finger i could barely even grab it like yeah. <laughs> exactly i need to start squeezing tennis balls to get in practice for that goosey <laughs> but no um i'm free later okay very oh. good ah, tennis I'll, balls i'll get <laughs> squeezing jim um but no, I mean, you, you did so well on it. And she looks comfortable. Just real nice riding position, slightly bent arms. Just real good, cool. solid riding position. Yeah. How, how, really, often do you, really cool. how often do you come across those bikes? I've not. Seen I've one. never seen another one oh. for sale. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with the bike. And I like them because it comes from the factory. It's got um, mid-engine controls. It's mm. got, like, drag bars. Yep. And it's got like a flared tail. Well, you know, which make it look like a muscle bike. Well, and it's low, and it short kind people of, can ride it. It kind of is. It it kind of the ZL six hundred became its own thing because back in the mid eighties, there were actually a ton of these things. Mm. Um, there was the Kawasaki Eliminators, which came in the six hundred and the nine hundred. Then there was the VMAX, of course, which is the granddaddy of them all, and the Phaser, which was the smaller version of the VMAX. The Marauder was similar to these bikes. Those came kind of later, but it's very much the power yeah. cruiser. Yeah. But then the, you could argue that the Honda Magnus, certainly the V65 Magna, was a drag bike. Mm-hmm. But what happened is Kawasaki dropped the ZL600 Eliminator at the end of the... 80s but then they reintroduced it about four years later and they made it a bit more cruisery styling it still kept its mid controls it still kept its billy bars mm. but they made it a bit more cruisery styling and a bit less muscle bikey so it, it almost kind of became same, its own bike same kind of motor like an inline four no exactly no. it was exactly the same oh, okay. except for the styling right right and it became you know it just got like a flip-up rear fender and mm. the wheels went from being three spoke mags to spoke wheels yeah so a bit more you know the later one was actually more retro than the early one mm. if you see a 1980s zl600 eliminator it's actually a more modern looking bike than the 90s zl600 you know, they made it more retro and, and cruisery as we went along. But it's a damn fine little bike. And I tell you what, anything that's factory yellow with purple flames, <laughs> what? <laughs> it's a great looking bike. It's yeah. great. No, well done. Congratulations. Thank you. It's Welcome a flaming banana. It is yeah. a flaming yeah. banana. It they, is most certainly not a flaming banana. They need another one. No. <laughs> it the eliminator. I, I, saw a, I saw award-winning Mike out today, and uh, I said, Mike, what would you do with this yellow no. bike? He said, I would make it the most bitchin' banana hammock you've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Nice. Well, keep riding. You've got a good ride home tonight. Yes. So you yeah, to we're riding test back your metal together. again. Yeah. Ooh, In hope the dark. Hope you have a sweater. I do. The Monterey so, fog. Oh, I yeah. told her, I said, uh, just wait till you discover bikes with windshields and heated grips <laughs> oh yeah i actually have the windshield for it in my garage okay. at home but she did Which score something from the 
side room. Donation station. Donation oh, station. Okay. She got a tank bag. Yay. Sweet. Nice. Magnetic oh, nice. tank bag. She was complaining about the storage and using the bungee mm. net on the back seat. I'm like, I got a solution. That's Here good. you go. Well, well hopefully you don't get scabies from it. Right. <laughs> Oh. Again, but and a sweet pair of leather saddlebags, right? Oh, but no. we come to one of the disadvantages of the ZL600. It is such a rare bike, you can't buy anything for it. <laughs> so, in order to put the saddlebags on, we need to basically make some saddlebag rails. If only I knew someone that does stuff like that. Because nobody sells <laughs> saddlebag rails for ZL6. I haven't got time to do that. I've got to fix Yuri Barrigan's Norton Commando. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, I mean, if you want accessories for a ZL600, you've pretty much got to either make them yourself or modify ones for other bikes. So, yeah. That's cool. It's, it's a, a great awesome. bike. Yeah, solid motor. So, oh, it's yeah. solid bike. Welcome to motorcycling. Thank you. Yeah. So it's you get a couple of more now. <laughs> you're you're going to learn a lot about yourself. It's pretty cool. <laughs> I am. It's Let's a go. journey of self-reflection. Let's mate. go dirt biking. And did you nope. and did you enjoy your visit with the garage today? I did very much. Mm. Even Thank when you. we took the picture with the <laughs> with the dick. Can I talk about? That? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Everybody gets dick. No, it's, here. A right, um, it's a rite of passage, Joanne. You know, I mean, I was being very unsubtle about it. It's like, oh, let's take a picture of Joanne with her <laughs> motorbike. A eh? what? Call blimey. <laughs> wink, Hello, wink, Gavna. nudge, nudge. Right. I already don't like pictures, but. I guess a picture with a big dick. There, there you go. Well, you know, um, um, many thousands of listeners are going to go onto our website and see you posing with no. your eliminator with a uh, dick on it. Sorry, dear. Horrifying. Yeah. No, it's all, it's all part of due process. I'm You're afraid. in very good company, though. Well, that's good to know. That dick's okay. been around. It's okay. Well, oh, yeah. come back and hang out with us some more. Absolutely. Thank you. No this problem. Been very fun. So I think it's time to read some emails. What and them? <clears throat> oh yeah. I've got one here. That has a wonderful title. Mm. It's called Liza's Beautiful Soothing Voice. Wow. Oh, boy. Here we so go. I'm, I'm going full NPR. Uh, I'm going to leave the room now. Full NPR for this one. Yeah. says, yo, my motherfucking misfits. Yo. Totally <laughs> <laughs> NPR. Gregorius T. from Bend, Oregon here. How y'all doing? Oh, hey. we're doing jolly well. Thank you, dear. It says, I've been listening to your podcast for a while now and finally mm -hmm. decided to get off my hairy ass and write y'all some words. <laughs> uh -huh. Thank you so Mark's much for the great podcast. Too. You guys have your priorities set right. Writing and enjoying life. Fuck yeah. And food. <laughs> he says, I'll be a Patreon patron for as long as you guys are around. Sweet. Okay. Thank you. No, cheers, I'm Mike. going to me. go out on a dick here and oh, say some nice things <laughs> about two of my favorite misfits. Well... Uh -huh. Three, now that I think about it. Mm -hmm. Has anybody ever told Liza she has the most soothing, pleasant voice? Hmm. When no. I'm listening to the podcast <laughs> and I hear Liza's voice, well, to be honest, oh, my <laughs> dick tip gets wet. Oh! Whoa! 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 You can, get a, you can get a no! shot for that. <laughs> that's creepy, man. Oh, that. oh dearie me. Oh, he God. says, I could listen to Liza's sweet voice all fucking day long. Oh, oh boy. Wow. <laughs> well, we hope the next 12 That'd years, oh. next 12 wait, wait years stint in the pen isn't too bad. <laughs> I just got the chills. Yeah, okay. Right. All right. Thank yeah, you for yeah. that compliment. Voice, voice like butter. Says, of course, I've got things. to say a word about Emma Darling. Oh, darling. Ooh. Says, hey, Emma. Uh -huh. Jen. 
Yes. Listen, gin and grease, two of the most important fluids ever invented, eh? <laughs> oh, God, yes. Emma Darling, what's your take on the new flavored gins coming out? I think I know the answer. Piss! Yes. Ha! Exactly. <laughs> Says Emma's motorcycle repair knowledge is second to none. Speaking of Emma Darling, I love working on my Yamaha FJ09 as much Ooh, as I do riding it. such a good bike. He says he just installed his new chain and sprockets. Uh-huh. He wrote up an article on his experience for his blog. The blog is called Gregoriust, G-R-E-G-O-R-I-U-S-T, Gregoriust.com. Is, is that Romanian for mm-hmm. shit's coming out the end of my dick? <laughs> <laughs> he says, wow. Emma... Can you take a read on my article and give me your two cents? I certainly this will. Question, this question goes for all the misfits. What has been your experience when installing a new chain and sprockets? I must say, the first time Heartache I swaged pain. the master link, I cracked one of the pins. I didn't know I cracked it until I returned from a long ride in the Oregon Outback and noticed pieces of metal chipped away. Naughty Scary boy. Shit. Mm. Use calipers, measure the adjacent links to its width, set it, and then go slow as you When I did pins. mine on the KTM, the they were different pin types. It wasn't anywhere close. Conversely, yeah, use a smaller hammer. No, I tell you what, <laughs> um, if you're in doubt, there's these wonderful things called screw-type press fit links now and oh, they, yeah. you can't get them wrong because you just you literally line everything up and you screw yeah. them on and then just break off the end of the pin you're done you hmm. cannot get them wrong really yes wow. that's interesting screw type link um i want to say it's either subaki or rk you do them they're wonderful cool well he says oh the third misfit cat I love Cat's potty yeah. mouth. Say yeah. it like it is, Cat. Ha. Huh? Oh, she has got Sorry, s- dudes. I love the ladies. What can I say? Oh, okay, Perfect. then. This email's getting <laughs> way too long. I just want to wrap it up with you guys. Need You guys need to get up to fucking Oregon and experience some of the most underrated, unknown, phenomenal riding in the country. Mm-hmm. Dudes have no Pretty idea. Good. The 218 between Fossil and Antelope. The riding doesn't get much better. Twisty. That road sucks. Up and down. <laughs> Roller coaster riding on a beautiful road surface. Hardly any cars whatsoever. Very little foliage so you can open it up without worrying about hitting the homed wall of muscle. Mm-hmm. The, oh, the horned wall of muscle. So, um... Sounds like bliss, So Molly. fucking fun. He <laughs> says, I'm starting to write up articles on all of the great Oregon riding. So go to Gregorius.com. Sweet. And cool. uh, he says, just call me the... <laughs> just call me the... Oregon writing Jesus. Spraying the word, baby. Okay, my motherfucking misfits. Sorry for spraying you with so many words. Hey, I'll be down in your neighborhood soon. All right. Look for a tall, bald bugger riding a black Yamaha FJ09. I love that bike. The 850 triple banger. Yeah, baby. <laughs> By the way, it's my first bike. Almost 30K on the odometer. Oh, right nice. on. It's never gone down. And I can tell you with guaranteed certainty, it will never fucking go down. I hear this shit all the time about it's not if but when. Bullshit. I'm never wood, going bro. down. Knock on wood. It's a good attitude to have. Yeah. Awesome. So, yeah, look cool. us up when you come here. Thanks and for the email. Maybe I just won't talk when you're here. I don't yeah, want to have any spontaneous ex- combustion. Ex- ex- exactly, Liza. Make sure that you limit conversation Hush. to the minimum because we we don't want to see stuff coming out of his willy. No. <laughs> what no. people don't realize is that 
this is just my radio voice, but when we're out in the garage, I'm talking yeah, like this, motherfucker. Yeah, 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 get the fuck out of here. Sound like a fucking harpy. <laughs> <laughs> Whose is this on the chair? Who is this? <laughs> Jeremy, what do you have there? Oh, I have an email oh. titled Five Years from a Mr. Derek Ritchie. Hey, Derek. And Hello, Derek. Yeah, so uh, it starts out. Congrats, Liza. Just finished the five-year episode. Oh, yeah. Woot, oh, yeah. woot. Congratulations. And uh, also, I want to marry Jocelyn. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Period. <laughs> All right. It's a motorcycle show, not a dating site, dickheads. <laughs> <laughs> Is that why Seriously. you're single? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> exactly why. It's because I'm, a, I'm a hard to live with. <laughs> All right, well, so, well, Les is already corrupting people, especially probably after listening to today, because he says, all right, you got me damn close to the point of selling my Connie that I sent you pics of and buying a KLR 650 or equivalent. <laughs> nice. Get an XR. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Cool. Bagel, do you got an email? I do. This is from John Sandstedt. Hello, John. And John Motherfucker owes me money. <laughs> he says, hey, Misfits. John from Missouri here. Yes, where's that thruppence hackney for my new knickers? <laughs> John says, I've been enjoying the podcast since I discovered it two years ago. I'm slowly listening to the old ones in reverse order, which is a bad idea because I am constantly confused. <laughs> And disappointing. Well, we are as well. Very disappointing. <laughs> and I've, I've been riding for two and a half years now. I started on my friend's Chinese mini dirt bike, which was trash, and ended up with welding rods replacing some spokes in the rear. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, I got a real dirt bike, a 1986 KX125. It's nice. a, it's unruly even for a two-stroke, and prompted Kawasaki to reduce the peak power of the 1987 model to smooth out the power band. It ran perfect when I lived in Boston, but when I moved to Missouri, it seems to hate it here as much as I do. <laughs> it, it started having it's issues. It's the Midwestern values. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's that Midwestern fuel. <laughs> he says, uh, it started having issues with overheating and even died and mm. would not start until cool a few times. It is water-cooled. Hmm. I fixed part of the problem by having the cylinder and head resurfaced to fix fix the eighth thou of curve in it. Hmm. I bought it's a work head. Yeah, I bought a compression tester from Harbor Freight, and it indicated that the bike only had forty psi of compression. Oh, that's not right. For the last year, I have replaced every part of the top end except the kips components, the cylinder and head, and replaced the crank bearings and seals. Nothing. It, it sagged to 30 after a weekend of riding, but new rings and piston brought it back to 40. Finally, I gave up and posted online, and quickly someone pointed out that two-stroke can't run with 30 PSI. No suction, so no scavenging, scavenging efficiency will go down. No, no, no suction, so scavenging efficiency will go down the drain. This was an embarrassing oversight to me to make since I've been working on designing a two-stroke for almost three years. Turns out I wasted a ton of money when the only problem was the cylinder warp and my compression tester was a dud. Oh, no. Oh, Harbor Freight strikes again. That's too bad. Nasty business. Hazard fraught. Yeah, and he finishes up saying, TLDR, the bike is still overheating, and I think it is a Makuni carb that has no air screw in the design Mm. and uses the obscure long hex jets. What should I look for if I want to replace it with a different model of carburetor since I don't want to spend $100 on a set of 54 main jets I don't need? Oh, good lord, no. 
Uh, and he also says, my up-the-butt bike is an MTT420R, since it is such a unique bike, and I like gas turbine technology. What? I have no idea what that <laughs> is. No idea. MTT420R. Uh, he says, or if I ever build my own engine, it will probably be whatever bike that ends up in. Sorry for the long email, John. Oh, nice. it's uh, the turbine, turbine yeah, bike. A gas turbine bike. I thought by 420, I thought it was like a oh, 420 cc. Smoke weed. I remember. <laughs> um, I was at Legend of the Motorcycle in 2007, and there were two clowns riding those things, and they were staying in the next room to me at the local hotel, and mm-hmm. at like 4 o'clock in the morning, they were spooling those things <laughs> up. Huge. <laughs> what, what was this called again? An MT what? MTT420R. Remember the Who, YT, Y2K yeah. with the turbine? This is kind of that thing yeah right i made, think, made I, think leno, I think leno's got one yeah he got I'm the sure he has a y2k yeah um uh, it's a I think it's a, like a bell jet ranger yeah so but, but what, when yeah. he asked for a carburetor though what yeah what? i mean less is more to be honest with just go on to the sudco s-u-d-c-o uh, sudco sudco darling darling sudco um yeah and just pick yourself out a really like the simplest mccooney of the right diameter to fit into the inlet stub and just let the bike pull it through because if you get a simple carburetor that means rejetting it is gonna be simple well you have to get new cables and uh, no you might you might actually get away with it okay All depends. You know? exactly and you won't need a choke cable because it's got a simple pull-up choke a lot of times people overthink carburetors a lot of case especially with a two-stroke less is more you don't need an accelerator pump with a two-stroke you don't need anything fancy with a two-stroke you just need 15 to 1 and get it in there as quick as you can so a good old-fashioned slide mikuni not even a flat slide will get you down the road for less money than a couple of jets all you got to do is give it the beans you give it the beans <laughs> darling <laughs> yes and it'll respond very happily i have an extremely short email from Sam Axe. Hey, I, Sam. Hey, Sam. Um, I love his aftershave. If I smell, <laughs> oh, if I smell that on a guy, I'm all over him, darling. Uh-huh. You like 13-year-old? He has a couple of suggestions for Emma's history holes, <clears throat> and I will put them to you now. <clears throat> history of the KLR. Mm-hmm. Well, I know you're excited about that one, darling. Is it is it interesting? I don't know. I mean, you know, it's, it'd be a very short story. I mean, you know, Kawasaki designed this thing. They made in one, and then they, they made, made another. Nineteen eighty-three, <laughs> and then they made another one. But yeah, I mean, there's something there. I'll do a bit of research. So you know, I'll tell you what I'll do, Sam. I'll do a bit of research, and if there's any meat on the bone. We might just do like a mini history hole like we did tonight. Mm, yeah. um, and the other one is the history of movies about motorcycles. Mm. I have a better suggestion. How about a movie of the history of motorcycles? Ooh. Or how about motorcycles involved in the history of movies? <gasps> mm. Ooh, why don't we set up a camera and people can make, make a video of us watching movies and talking through them? <laughs> 
Mystery Science Theater. (laughs) Misfit Science Theater. Misfit Science Theater 4000. We will bring the gin out for that one. First up, we're going to be watching Torque. Yes. (laughs) Best motorcycle movie ever. And then Hell's Angels on Wheels. Yes, definitely. (laughs) Has anybody here seen Stone? Has anybody seen Stone? We had a listener um, recommend that to me years ago. I didn't fancy. There's it. a well. There's a great chase scene in that through mm-hmm. the streets of Sydney for um, an original Z1, I believe, mm. versus a Norton Commando, and the guy who is riding the Norton Commando is just a wheelie popping lunatic. It's wonderful. <laughs> oh, the funeral scene though was oh, cool. with all the bikes and the right. yeah. You know what? The I, sidecar casket. I always mm. wanted a kneeler. But of course, you can't you can't use them on the street in England. They're illegal to use. You can't actually ride a kneeler on the street. So, mm. so you have to mount a coffin on it, something like <laughs> that, <laughs> or a midget. <laughs> All right, we got one here from CJ. Hey, Word CJ. CJ. Right. Uh, hey, crew. Was just catching up on the recent podcast, and I'm listening to the episode of the museum tour in LA. Hey. Mm. Right. That was a good one, Liza. I really wish. You knew what you were talking about. No. That is not what he said. Not what he said. I really wish I knew you were going. I got to the part where you were talking about the history of the outlaw bikers and Hollister, etc. Mm-hmm. I would have alerted you to one of the oldest, if not original, biker bars in the country, which is just minutes away from the University at Irvine off El Chabuco Canyon. is called Cook's Corner. Oh, put mm-hmm. it on the list. Who'd yeah. have thunk it? Cook's Corner. It's been there since 1948. And yes, I have many tales of my exploits there. Mm-hmm. I was doing midget porn at the time. And there was... <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> uh, if any of you are ever passing through Colorado, I would love to meet up. Liza, I was heartbroken. I didn't email you in time before your trip to mid-Ohio. Uh, he was only 45 minutes away. But with that said, keep up the good podcast. It's become my addiction. Love your banter, tech advice, etc. So he's 39. He's got a Cowie ZX11D2. His up the butt bike is any mid late 90s Pierre Treblanche. Trebl- uh, Pierre Treblanche, yeah. Yeah. Design Ducati, yeah. yeah, which would sit in the living room where the TV used to sit. <laughs> so keep the rubber side down, CJ. Right on. Thanks, CJ. Where, you know, dude, where he, in Colorado is he? Uh, I don't know. Ah. You know, he brings up a very interesting point about outlaw motorcycle culture. And for those of you that haven't really studied it, it all kind of stems back to the late 40s. And it was based on the GIs who were returning, often from combat. Now, if you've been at war in Europe and you come back to California or the Midwest, life's pretty dull. Idle hands Mm. are the devil's workshop. Right. (laughs) So you're looking for some excitement. Yeah. So they form these motorcycle gangs and pretty much terrorize local neighborhoods. This sounds like a history hole. Well, you know, it could be, but the, the term chopper actually comes from... The, there was this huge surplus of military motorcycles, both Indians and Harleys. Mm-hmm. But, of course, they're military bikes, so there was a lot of stuff on them. So you just chop it off, mm-hmm. hence the term chopper. You're making the bike lighter and hence faster. It's that old power-to-weight ratio. Indeed. And then, of course, the most famous incident was the one in Hollister <laughs> back in '47, which is the one we... Um, the infamous picture. It, the infamous picture. It was the picture. Totally now, staged, too. Yeah, yeah, but nevertheless, I yeah. mean, it happened. Yeah. Did I ever tell you it was at the 50th anniversary celebration? I was with you. No, you weren't. That was in 1997. Oh, I thought you meant the... Oh, I was thinking Corbin's, when you and Sonny Bolger were having a moment <laughs> together. That's, uh, yes. <clears throat> yeah, he was great in The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah, I mean, that what? that could be a subject for an MS history hold, but that would be something I'd really need to do a great deal of research on mm. because, I mean, you, you really have to be extremely careful and respectful for outlaw motorcycle culture i really wouldn't want to offend anyone so stay tuned you know i'll do some research and if i if i can present it in a way that i feel <clears throat> is respectful to that culture i'll do it hmm. knock you got an email there yeah i got one excuse me i got one from <laughs> michelle devries hey michelle, hey, michelle. Uh, this is a question about slipping the clutch hi misfits the short of it is that i took a motorcycle skills course last august and passed the government's pylon test in their parking lot shortly after i passed the road test uh, road test at the end of november despite finding snow and the seat and that's and the street that morning hmm. nice uh <clears throat> the instructor of skills course advocated for low speed handling running the engine faster but slipping the clutch to control the bike speed he even advocated using the rear brake at the same time the reason was to keep the speed to crawl and using momentum of the spinning engine for extra low speed stability that's how johnny was winning the slow race yep uh it worked for me and i still use use it sometimes uh use this technique on my dr650 now (coughs) husband has required this desire to ride motorcycles here we go 20 or so years ago he rode all over canada and he and the u.s on a bmw r65 consequently he values his own ideas regarding not slipping the clutch very lightly right he does not think it's useful especially not as on his 1978 goldwing uh the clutch is tedious <laughs> to change on these bikes apparently yes yeah. uh and so what do you say you illustrious knowledgeable misfits uh on the topic of low speed handling and clutch slipping Cruising hard and wet today, uh, Michelle DeVries from Vancouver Island. Well, Michelle, you're dealing with two extremely different bikes there. Yeah. Let's deal first with your DR650. It's a very, very tall bike. It's got a quite a high center of gravity. It's a difficult bike to ride slowly. Um, because it's narrow, it's tall, it's... It's manoeuvrable, but it's kind of ungainly. In order to ride that bike very, very slowly, having the gyroscopic effect of, effect of the crank spinning really is helpful. But like us, motorcycles are so different. So let's go to Hubby's 78 Goldwing, which is a machine I know extremely well. Mm-hmm. 78 was the GL1000KZ, and it was the first major redesign for the Goldwing. Do you remember we did the uh, thing on Comstar wheels? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. First Goldwing with Comstars on it. Three instruments in the top of the tank. It's an absolutely fantastic bike. But the important thing about that bike, Goldwing, Honda designed the Goldwing to be a large capacity touring bike that was manageable. So they kept the weight very, very low and very, very forward. It is an extremely easy bike to ride slowly. And the power characteristic of the engine means that you've got torque pretty much off idle. So in a slow race, and this is how people do so well with BMW GSs, even though they're very big bikes, they carry their weight low and forward and wide. So they're easy bikes to ride slow. And so it is with the GL1000. It's a lot easier to ride that bike slowly 
done that DRC 650. Well, They're very different bikes. It's my experience, too, on the older, heavier bikes like cruisers and such, that they're going to go through clutches a lot faster because it takes a lot more wear on the clutch to get that big bike moving. Well, if you go around slipping them, of course it yeah. is. You know? Um, but, but like, in general, motorcycle clutches aren't like car clutches where oh you try God, to protect no. the clutch. Don't do not do that in a car. Motorcycle clutches are a tool. You know, and you're it, supposed it, to it's use the clutch as use. a tool. But there are so many factors here. And generally, if we take Joanne's ZL600 as an example, if we want to change the clutch on that, we can do so in an hour. It's very, yeah. very easy. Mm. I'm pretty sure on Hubby's GL1000, it's engine out. Well, what, and what, you don't want to pull the engine out yeah. of a GL one thousand. But I mean, what, tell ya. what can you do easily on a GL one thousand? I mean, yeah, I mean, you can adjust the vibe. No, you brake pads. You can tour. Adjust the <laughs> shit. Adjusting the valves is the easiest thing in the world because they're right there. You know, you've got to pick your poison, but it's it's a very very different animal. A GL one thousand is a perfect bike of just. Letting the clutch out at idle in first gear and just creeping along and let just the inertia of the bike hold you upright. It's a very easy bike to maneuver around. I mean, as long as you've got big wide bars on it, like you can use like a tiller. Yeah. I love them. I mean, they're great bikes. I've got the, um, mine's a 77, the turbo bike. Yeah. But it carries its weight very low, very forward. It's very wide. I have a question. Something you, you alluded to was just having the, uh, the engine spinning, yes. that, that effect will help you balance. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, my mind, as soon as I, I was reminded, there was a guy, um, I wish I could remember his name, he was the Wheelie King. Doug Damoco. Doug Damoco in the 1970s, and there's some great footage of him actually going down Lombard Street yep. <laughs> on a Kawasaki. Wow. Now, the thing to note about Doug Damoco, he always set it up so his front wheel was spinning. And that's how he kept the bike up and maneuvered it so well, because of the gyroscopic effect of the wheel. Interesting. And Doug always said, if that wheel stops spinning, it makes it a lot harder to control the bike. Wow. And if you look at footage of him, the wheel is always turning. Never underestimate the, the, the force of a gyroscope. Did he actually ride a wheelie down Lombard Street? Yep. yep. Wow, it's on it's on film. Yep, nineteen seventy eight or something. Wow. Yeah, something like that. About you can, right? you can YouTube it. It's there. Yeah, yeah it's and right there. It's Doug Democo, Lombard Street. It's wild. I saw a recent record. Some guy did one of the longest wheelies or something. Um, I don't know if it still stands, but he put an electric motor on his front wheel to keep it spinning. Yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> wow. yeah, kind of cheating, but there was some <laughs> there was some Dutch cat in the nineteen right around nineteen eighty. Who could who could wheelie an, an anything, and he was wheeling yeah. like KZ thirteen hundreds and CBXs just standing them upright, wearing clogs. <laughs> <laughs> Absolute lunatic. So my, my take Smoking on this weed. is like um, it's a toolbox. It's it's you know riding your your skill set is a toolbox. The more tools you have in the toolbox, the more of a capable rider you. Right, are. exactly. So. But all bikes are different. Right, and a bike that you might. You know, just because you might need to slip the clutch and include that into your technique on bike A, you might not need to do that on bike B. Right, but my, my take is, like, at least you know how to do it. Oh, yeah, at least skill. you know how you to do it. You have the vocabulary. I mean, like, it goes back to, like, uh, me, 
having a relationship with your bike is you're having this conversation with it back and forth Absolutely. and if you know how to slip your clutch and do all these you know low speed maneuvers you're have you're more fluent in that conversation with any machinery but i can speaking. pretty much guarantee that if michelle burns out the clutch on her husband's gl1000 mm-hmm. it'll end badly yeah mm-hmm. it's going to end extremely badly yeah but go ahead and slip that clutch on your dr right yeah yeah so what it, clutch yeah it's a dirt bike do it heck yeah um as for announcements 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 next weekend who's excited about the the moto classic the moto bay classic cops me, versus me, me, rockers me, me. tsol and the vandals so, are playing which again is this is yeah awesome. san francisco here's the schedule uh there's going to be hooligan racing uh there's going to be kids racing ducati demo rides um police rides uh gymkhana mm. then there's going to be gymkhana gymkhana cops versus hooligans <laughs> i know a stunt show um uh, there's going to be super hooligan races tsol vandals stunt battle on the super hooligan track wow yep that's me oh yeah. my god this is so awesome so this is in san francisco uh this is going to be august 18th no yeah 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 it'll be cool it's like right right under the bay bridge and you know um if you actually want to ride up with us if you want to ride up with the misfits where should they meet us here at the garage at some time i don't remember well no i believe we are meeting (laughs) at santa cruz diner oh yeah 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 um it's on the recycle page i created a an event but you can also Anyone from the Bay Area, you want to come out to this event. It's at Pier 32. It's going to be awesome. Meet us there. There's going to be a ton of us there. I'm going. Liza's going. Everyone but Knock is going. Well, we don't want to go with Knock. (laughs) (laughs) He's too cool. (laughs) No, he's got appalling habits. I'm I'm hanging out with lesbians and taking care of their pit bull. (laughs) I saw the super chicken in the parking lot. Uh, Yeah, I rode that thing. That was cool. Yeah. That thing handles very well for a big bike. And what is the mileage on this bike? One hundred twenty-seven thousand seventy-eight fifty years. That's ridiculous. Wow. Five. Man. That's ridiculous. I tell you what, I just had a VFR on my bench at work, which had done like a hundred and thirty thousand yeah. miles. Absolutely that, running like a top. Oh yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, the cam whine gets noisier as the bike gets older. Mm, yeah. Sounded so cool. Bitches. <laughs> it sounds like it's got turbo or something. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But no, it's still running like an absolute champ. Yeah. But awesome. Nice. Yeah. So um, now you got me all self conscious every time I say awesome, Jim. <laughs> that's great. So just a reminder. Awesome. Oh, that's smashing. That's super. Just a, a reminder our, we got our twistedroad.com. Uh, contest going on so remember go find my klr on there and then email us with the number on the red license plate and then rent yourself an h2r and scare the <laughs> shit out of yourself <laughs> and we'll be doing the drawing cost. next weekend the 19th and if you can and identify where that license plate came from i'll give you a, a special bonus oh your Ooh. bonuses are scary <laughs> is it out in the alley <laughs> no. and just a reminder <laughs> that <laughs> That if you are a Patreon subscriber, you're for at least a dollar a month, you'll get access to the new history hole, the annual yes, history will. holes. Also, we're going to be doing a Patreon prize pack drawing next week. So that's for uh, mm-hmm. also any amount you will be entered in that. Do you get a naked gym mug in that? There's going to be a naked gym mug. And, and I, uh, are there, are there going to be I, socks? 
I am holding a naked gym mug yep. in my hand. Ooh. Emma's had her hands on it. It's going in the Patreon prize package. It's a wonderful thing, Jim. Don't look too close at that sensor bar. <laughs> and yes, not there's going to be evil Knievel socks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my favorite. I Worth want right all the evil Knievel socks. Then you got to win the prize. Poo. Okay. <gasps> hey, Jim's Emma. got evil Knievel socks. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that. Nice. Awesome. America. Um, and just uh, can't say too much, but um, we've been working on getting some more super awesome interviews, and we've got some pretty rad stuff lining oh, up. Oh, heck trying, yeah. baby. We're, trying. We're just shooting yeah. for the moon. We're, we're yeah. finding amazing people with amazing stories, yeah. and we're going to be bringing them to you. Mm-hmm. So those patrons um supporters that helps us do that because we're starting to Thank do a you. bit of traveling and i've been buying more equipment to, for our on the road uh you know recording to have a good quality recording so that can, is happening can i just do a, a kind of ask kissy thing because uh, okay. what people don't realize you is, always do just go ahead <laughs> shut your noise knock but you know <laughs> What people don't realize is how hard Liza works, not only to keep the sound quality good, and we get people writing a lot and say how good the sound quality is of this, mm-hmm. and that's pretty much all down to Liza and Bagel. We actually get whipped if we but, screw up at the end of the show. <laughs> but how hard Liza works to keep upping this game, because she'll come to me and she'll say, hey, you know who we're going to interview next week? And she'll say, what? You know, she <laughs> keeps on stepping up the game. Yep. So, well done you. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. So I think we're ready to wrap. Um, again, thank you everyone for listening. Thank you for sending the emails. We just keep having fun. And and uh, Joanne, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I, I hope you had fun. Was Absolutely. it less scary than you expected? The ride or the podcast? Uh, d- yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Delightful exactly. all around. Wait, you still have to find your way home to I, Salinas tonight? Yeah. Well, going? we're, yeah. we're going to ride home together as far as Reservation Road. Oh, and good. then she's abandoning me. And then she's I'm like, going to have fun. See ya. Like, you've have made fun. it as far as Reservation Road. <laughs> Sayonara. Right? She'll be fine. I'll be I sleeping be in fine. an artichoke field. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll be fine. So thank you again. I think we're ready to get out of here. This is Liza. Jeremy. Bagel. Emma Darling. Joanne. Make a gem. What's up? (laughs) This is is Knock. This is Knock. This is Knock. This is Jim. And and we are out of here. Cool. 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 Bye.